1: Welcome everybody to Ideas Digest, the podcast, no, no, the practice of making room for your enemy. What does that mean? It means listening to them, understanding them, and maybe, just maybe, even
2: learning from them. Yeah, but it's not an easy listen. No. Um, Like this learning process is like a a difficult one. Mm. Um is often things that we talk about that are hard to hear, they're hard to listen to, you you'll disagree with certain things. It um, is hard li- It's uncomfortable listening to something you disagree with. Yeah, very that's right. difficult. Yeah. So
1: if you're listening right now and you're feeling uncomfortable, great, that's that's how you know it's working. It's like the gym, you know. Yeah. It's uncomfortable to start with, but you might end up loving it. So stick with it, everybody. Yeah, that's
2: right. Growth on the other side of the pain. <laughs>
1: exactly, exactly. So this podcast is painful to listen to, but I'm sure maybe you'll grow from it. Like I said, let's let the discomfort begin. Today on Instagram Live, thanks for joining us, a few people. When You, look, yeah. you can always tune in to our live podcast as we record them so that you can ask questions, probe a different worldview. Yeah. Try and understand it a little more and get involved in the show that way. Today, we're speaking with Seth Allen Taylor. Now, do you like to go with your full name, Seth? Like Seth Allen Taylor? Because I saw it on your website. And I'm like, I better put that in there. <laughs>
0: Oh yeah, no, that's a, like a writer thing, you know. That's yeah. an author thing. I like but it. No, you can just call me. I got to write so a good. book so I can use my middle name. So what?
2: What else in middle names useful, really?
0: Well, I just you know you you know it's a URL thing, you know. I mean, <laughs> yeah. a URL. Is that what authors
1: were doing that's back it. in the day with books? They're like, oh, freak! My my name's taken. Right. I better, yeah. Just like yeah. a URL today, I better put right. C S yeah. Lewis yeah, And the S right. in the middle because yeah. Lewis well, that's what
0: it is. If I ever write an actual novel, it'll be, a, it'll end up being S.A. Taylor. Oh, yeah. and that oh, sounds yeah. nice. That's, that's gra- good. That rolls well. That rolls well. Good. Okay. Well,
1: now we've fun facts about books with <laughs> Seth, <laughs> Seth Taylor. Um, yeah. Seth, yeah. you're an author and speaker. Tell us a little bit about who you are and what you, what you do.
0: Yeah, I, I'm what you could say is a bit of my, what I do is a bit eclectic and kind of all over the place because essentially what I do is I write books and speak in different arenas, business, uh, religion, philosophy. I do a lot in the world of sports. Um, and, but what I do is kind of address the, the deeper unconscious components to kind of interrelational dynamics in those areas. Mm. And so I, when I, I do, you know, I've written books, I wrote a book about, um, dealing with the issues of pornography addiction in, in, especially as it pertains to the Christian church, I dealt with, uh, you know, I've dealt with issues of like parent drama and sports, like why parents are psychotic when their kids are playing sports, you know, <laughs> things like wow. that. So, uh, I've written, uh, have written, I've written different, uh, I've created some books that are like therapeutic experiences for people to actually kind of transform themselves, but it's a lot in a, it's a lot of psychodynamic type of, type of work. So uh, for me, uh, my whole world kind of revolves around how the unconscious world presents itself in the conscious world. Interesting. Right. And uh, and then trying to bring that into a way that actually affects things like business and, and sports and everyday practical. The things. The practical, night. No. You know, well. Like, you're so. in the
1: you're in the right country for people who love sports. <laughs> America loves <laughs> loves a lot of different sports. Now we have gotten ahead of ourselves. We've given people too much context off yeah, the bat.
0: Yes, we yeah. We like
1: to go in hard clickbait. Yeah. Get yeah. those assumptions before we know anything. So I'm Start gonna forget people in boxes. I'm gonna forget and, everything you've just said because yeah. I'm about to box you. But I'd like you to I'd like you to right. tell us the clickbait title that we're going with today. It's a it's a title that has limited context. Uh, it's it's all about just fast and loose. So what did you come up with?
0: Well, I uh, you know I'd suggested that idea of porn stars as priests. Um just because Porn stars
1: I, as priests.
0: <laughs> yeah, porn stars. Porn stars well and and they, and they really do. I mean, porn stars for most people, like when people are you know watching pornography for a lot of people, they place they they have certain kind of roles, but especially as it pertains to people that are coming out of religious spaces and but even not even non-religious spaces, they play the role of mother. They play the role of priest. They play the. Wow. Play the they play these different, very almost sacred roles in the sense that,
1: you know. Whoa, whoa, whoa. we got to stop you there. There's. There's too much too much context. <laughs> so, <laughs> porn stars as priests. Now, there yeah. is definitely a reason why he's chosen this. But right now, yeah. I'm just seeing red. Porn stars, priests, you can't put the holy yeah, and the unholy together. Yeah, yeah. He's just done that. Cam sacred and I, in the
2: divine and mixing that. We're going into judgment mode.
1: So enter our new segment. Well, yeah. our recurring segment. Yeah. Assumptions and judgments. Assumptions so and judgments. we're gonna level some accusations okay. Okay. at you of what we've we've heard the clickbait, which we've we've come up with a whole bunch of assu- assumptions about you. We still a, don't have time tr- for nuance with, a, right? with a simple it's, yes it's or no. A yes or no answer. <laughs> Binary.
0: Okay, okay, gotcha, gotcha. Okay. So we're gonna we're level gonna whatever we short, can. Gotcha. And
1: and listeners, you can get involved too. If you've just heard his clickbait, he just said porn stars as priests. Now yeah. porn trigger, porn yeah. star, trigger yeah. and priest, priests trigger yeah. <laughs> i'll put them together <laughs> yeah. explosion of triggering yeah. Yeah. so we're going to throw some assumptions if you have any send them through yeah and and we'll level them at seth and he only gets to say yes or no so yeah. first up gotcha. you've spoken about porn you must yeah. be either a porn advocate or porn, po- porn,
2: porn producer, or producer.
0: <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no okay All right. to both okay no okay. to yeah. both okay
2: yeah. you're not a christian then
0: it, can I say more than yes or no?
2: No, no, because
0: <laughs> <Okay. laughs> I'm. I, I there's some nuance to that. I, I am a Christian. Yes.
2: Yeah. Okay. Well, all, all right. right. Well, all right. Well, porn. I don't know about yeah, that. <laughs> okay. Backs bristling there.
1: Well, then you've spoken about yeah. porn. You 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 mustn't be married, or if you are, it must be to a porn star. No,
0: married. Yes. Porn star. No. Okay. Uh, well,
2: wrong uh, to both of those. Yeah, okay. 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 So you're one of these like New Age Californian. Christian liberal style people. Uh,
0: I would disagree with that. But 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 if but if you're comfortable with that, yeah, I could accept that. (laughs) uh, Bloody new age liberal. But not California. This is is who Trump's always (laughs) talking about. We got the
1: enemy on. Yeah, yeah. You're being open about porn, so you must be a porn user slash watcher. What's the verb there? Yeah, like yeah.
0: Former addicts. Former addict. So half
1: half yes. Okay. We've got to get it out of our system so then we can move on. So I've got it out of my system. How you feeling? Yeah, Yeah,
2: I'm feeling good. Feeling good. We've we've
1: disproven a lot of our immediate assumptions about Seth. Granted
2: time for a bit of nuance. He's a nice
1: guy. I'm having a great conversation with (laughs) him. So Seth, let's throw it over to you. You've just said porn stars as priests. There's obviously a lot behind that. You can take as much nuance as you want. Unpack that idea for me that you want to talk about.
0: Yeah, well I think I think that You know, the priest was has traditionally been someone whose role was to advocate between man and God. Right? The idea is, you know, when religion was born, there was a class of people that were kind of rose up in order to help us understand the demands of the gods, and and it seems that the history of how man is, you know, how people have related to their sexuality was, uh, you know, something that with there was a tremendous amount of sacrifice demanded from the gods in a sense. Uh, and a lot of that was our, you know, in, in the Christian church the where I was raised, our sexuality was one of those things we had to kind of sacrifice. We had to lay it on the altar mm. in a sense and set it on fire. And for the sake of the, the, the God that seemed to have a serious problem with our sexuality. Mm. So mm. what I started to realize when I started to work in, in my own, into my own addiction and then, and then helping other people with theirs in that space was that it seemed that people's relationship with porn oftentimes was actually seeking the blessing of their sexuality from from a priest in a similar way to uh, that we would seek the blessing of a priest you know upon our you know in a sense upon our sins you confess to the priest the priest gives you the blessing now we're now the god is okay with me oh. um, and in a sen- in a sense you know in a sense when i bring my when i bring my sexual desires that they receive with so much guilt and shame in so many areas And the God receives it that way. And oftentimes our relationships receive it that way. But when I bring my sexuality or my sexual desires to the porn star, I'm often received with a tremendous amount of grace. So there was a lot of, there's, there's never rejection. There's never, there's just whatever you want, whatever you desire, you are accepted here. And so I found that a lot of people were actually seeking a blessing. And I was seeking a deep blessing upon my sexual desires. And that was one of the few places I could go where all I received was acceptance. And so it was a, it was, I think that, that the reason it, you know, almost the the industry exists the way it does is because all of humanity is bringing this really profound place, this kind of place where our emotions and our thoughts and our feelings and our soul and our pain and our trauma and our history and all that stuff kind of merges into this one kind of raw desire that we have. And all we want is just that deep, unconditional acceptance. And it's a fascinating thing that there's an industry that can just push a button and get that get that acceptance
2: um yeah i'd like to know from you your thoughts on like is there an acceptance because it's like through a computer screen or like through your phone like there's no actual like direct connection like talk to us about that like how there's a disconnect with porn like it's there's you're saying that there's a level of acceptance but there's also a a distance that you have as well
0: right yeah there's a level of emptiness well and, and it becomes it's not a it's not a lesser of two evils, mm. as you know, in a sense. But what it is is that it's the next best thing to have to, having to actually become truly vulnerable. When I, if I'm seeking true acceptance, I have to become truly vulnerable. But there's also a real danger represented in that, in the sense that I have to, you know, kind of open myself up and become very, very raw in what I'm, you know, and risk serious rejection. Yeah, you know? right. Uh, it's it, it's like you know, I mean, the, the if we talk about risk versus reward, it's very low. To go to the porn star is very low, very very low risk very low reward you know what i mean yeah but sure. there is there is there is a reward and and i still get to say and stay in that kind of safe space and it is empty because of course sexuality has this really really profound energetic you know uh, psycho spiritual kind of component to it that has that holds a tremendous amount of power if we're willing to explore it but it's but it's impossible to do if there's an old white guy in the sky that's ready to strike you down if you do it wrong you know what i mean
1: that's, yeah, that's interesting. Your definitions. So, what what it sounds like you've done is you've taken not a not a literal priest and not a literal porn star. In a sense, you've gone these these people or positions have occupied represent something that we seek. So we as we as humans yeah. in religion have, like you said, sought out the blessing of God the priest was God's conduit on earth, so therefore he could give out the blessings. And when it comes to sex, you're saying that religion required us... I mean, priests are celibate. You Within the Christian tradition, sex before marriage is something that is frowned upon. Certain types of sex is frowned upon. Homosexual sex is frowned upon. Masturbation is frowned upon. Porn consumption is frowned upon. And so it sounds like people are getting rejected by the metaphorical priest and therefore by God because they can't get this blessing, which it sounds like you're saying is acceptance. But the porn star has now filled this role. We're looking for acceptance. We've gone, well, we're not going to get it from the God figurehead. Yeah. But when we go to the porn figurehead of the porn star, we can have all sorts of fetish, we can have all sorts of diversity, all sorts of difference, and I'm not gonna be judged in that space. Does I'm that sound there, yeah. does that sound yeah. like a kind of summary Absolutely. of what you're saying?
0: Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. We're not gonna be judged, we're gonna be completely accepted in that way. And it and it is and it's not that dissimilar to an acceptance of the God constructs that we create. You know what I mean? It's very similar. I mean, it's, it,
1: Talk about God constructs for me. What well, what do you mean when you say God constructs?
0: Well, 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 I know mean, you guys had Pete Rollins on recently, right? You yeah. know, so this is a conversation that Pete's a friend, and, and that's a conversation we've had quite a bit, you know. And I'm I'm much more of a mystic than he is, in the sense that I I, I am very much a believer in the in the you know in the actual metaphysical experience of spiritual spiritual energy and power. Much there's well, something like outside, outside account, of the
1: material. That's what you're saying. You you're yeah, mystic yeah, in the sense that. that there, there's material, and then there's something outside of it, and you, you really believe there's something outside of the material.
0: No, that's not, I, and I wouldn't use the term outside of it. I think that the material okay. actually is just a manif- manifestation of the actual. You know, I mean, we're talking about quantum energy and what it is, but I think that we're, you know, very similar to uh, the idea that we are born. Not we're not made by God. We're made of God. We are not separated. We are the body in a sense, and so in that way, I'm a very, very, very Christian in that way. But I. But I think that uh, you know well, you you summed it up really well and the role that the priests are you know are playing it's the same role that I get if I go to if I pay my tithe you mm-hmm. know I don't know if you guys are familiar with that you know if I pay my tithe or if I if I go to church every Sunday I get this I I get kind of a a that type of nuanced existential blessing yeah. from that God, and the approval continues. Read my Bible, pray every day, do these kind of things. If I do these things, then I get that blessing, and I can continue to survive. Mm. But I do live in a sacrificial relationship with that thing, similar to you know what I do with the porn star. There's a cost mm-hmm. to this relationship, this blessing that I'm receiving to the you know from the yeah. priest. It's not it's not true freedom. So you're,
2: appe- you're appeasing like this distant sky checklist somewhere that if you do all the right things, then... Yeah.
0: And do you yeah. think that's
1: yeah. a, a helpful... I'll come back to the God construct question in a minute. I haven't forgotten about that. <laughs> but do you think that that mechanism of sacrifice to this God, do you think that's a helpful yeah. thing to exist within or a harmful thing to exist within? What's your? Point? I think it's a
0: helpful... It's a, it's a very helpful thing to exist when one lives at a survival level of consciousness. If we actually... If, if the goal is to survive mm-hmm. and the goal is to it's I think it's actually quite primitive and I hope that doesn't sound condescending but it's it's a it's yeah. a primitive level survival based consciousness and at that level it's not just helpful it's necessary right yeah ha- there has to be something that helps us survive on the unconscious you know we survive the conscious threats but we also survive the unconscious threats we survive the trauma that we carry we survive the the fractured of ourselves this parts of us that are unloved these parts of us that are that are constantly seeking to get their unmet needs met, you know, we have to do that somehow. And if we can do that through the blessing of the, the God construct or the blessing of the priest or the blessing of the porn star, if we can do that, then it helps us survive. But it certainly doesn't help us elevate our consciousness to a level that we could call freedom. Yeah.
2: You know? So yeah, right.
1: when you yeah. look around society and you say, this is a helpful construct for some levels of consciousness, what yeah. percentage of society from your Understanding, do you think operates on this level where it is helpful for people yeah. to be on this to to use that uh, sacrificial construct?
0: Yeah, well, it's funny because that word "helpful" is a really key word, right? Because for most people that live at that level of consciousness, it's not; it's beyond; it's gotten beyond where it's actually helpful anymore. Most people live in it, and it's actually doing damage. I think everyone at some point in their life transitions through that space in a time where it's helpful. You know, you kind of see the typical midlife crisis. I don't know if you guys have those in Australia, but yeah. we have US you know, yeah. quite a bit. I just like that. <laughs> right. Right. <laughs> but, but the idea, I think that, you know, for me to be an evangelical Christian living in that sacrificial relationship with I had the, the white guy in the sky and I also had the porn star and I had to live there, help me survive uh, you know, that period of my you know, 20s and my early 30s pretty well. You know it was a very helpful at the time until it wasn't anymore because you come to that point where the pain's still there and you can't push it down any longer because that trauma, how it affects you, how we hold trauma in our body, how all humans hold their trauma eventually starts to infect you, you know, it gets, it finds its way out. And so then it becomes unhelpful. And typically that's known as rock bottom, right? You hit that space where this is no longer helpful. And now I have to find, it's either find a deeper consciousness or possibly die or, you know, create a tremendous amount of suffering. So like, and I think what you see when you said how many people live in that space, I think it's a generational, I mean, for my parents' generation who are now in their seventies, the baby boomers. It's most by the, lar- the large majority of that generation lives at a survival base, and a lot of them are going to go to their graves at that level of consciousness. And, and in my generation, it's about I, you know I'm seeing people waking up all the time. It's about half of the, half of the people still kind of live in that space,
1: moving from one consciousness to the to the next consciousness. You're talking about
0: okay. yeah to that next higher level of consciousness, that kind of new dimensional reality, if you will, where where the rules aren't the same, you know, and people give them a hard, you know, over here, like everybody talks about, they give millennials a hard time. I mean, you guys, how old are you guys? you remember me asking?
1: Oh yeah. We're, yeah. we're, we're millennials smack in
2: the middle, like <laughs> we, 33. We, I'm 33.
0: We so.
1: caught the, you're entitled millennial. <laughs> yeah. You're selfish. You're self-referential. Right. Well, everybody,
0: yeah, everybody gives you guys that hard time. And you're like, you're entitled to, you're so entitled to happiness because the older generations understood that happiness is a, is a fairy tale and that you just got to work your ass off your whole life. Mm. But the, the truth is, like that entitlement, as much as it can be, it can cause a slight struggle in some elements of adult life. Once you get there, it's actually what it is, is it's a, it's a deep kind of soul level. It's embedded in your generation that love and peace and joy is a birthright of humanity. And so it creates for a little while, it creates this kind of entitlement to happiness, you know, and the workforce, you know, people are trying to, how do we get these guys to work? You know, they just to work in a coffee shop because they want to be happy. Hmm. And you know, that whole idea is is actually a higher state of evolution. It just hasn't come to its full kind of fruition yet, but when you guys are in your 40s and your 50s, you're going to save the world. You're going to turn the environmental problems around. And this next generation that's coming up right now, these kids that are 13, 14 years old, they're going to hit enlightenment by their mid 20s. And then, and then you're going to see this entirely new way of of understanding all truth. We're going to see yeah. these political systems are going to change. We're going to see these we're going to see Problems that have plagued our our species for hundreds of years start to reverse themselves because people are going to those higher levels of consciousness and they stop clinging to that survival based way of knowing everything.
2: Yeah, Conrad and I have um, we've actually spoken about that before, where we've actually yeah. we listened to our parents and we actually believed what they said that like life could actually be mm. better than what it is um, now. I, I, and, I
1: believed my yeah. Christian upbringing when they said. God created the heavens and the earth and we are custodians of yeah. it and we should care about it. Yeah, I believed yeah. that.
2: And, and that there's so no separation between man and woman and all of yeah, these sorts of things. We're all like equal. We believe should stuff. love
1: people. And then when, I, when I'm like, oh, you know what? Like maybe I do think climate change is something and we should care about the environment. Like my parents' generation are like, what are you doing? Yeah. Like, yeah. What Cam's saying. I yeah. believe what you were telling yeah.
2: yeah. So is that sort of what you're <laughs> right, right. talking about there with where, where our generation's yeah. coming yeah. up with like this entitlement sort of thing, but we're actually saying, well, yeah. we're just listening to what you said and we actually think you might be right.
0: Well, and you're willing and you're willing to actually pursue what is, you know, pursue the things in your life in order to attain, to embody that truth. Sure. Right. Cause like, you know, you're, when you say it's not that our parents didn't believe it, it's that a part of them believed it. Yeah. And then a part of them, didn't believe it at all, you know, and, yeah. and they lived in the tension between those two parts of themselves their whole life. And, and, and I think a lot of people are stuck in that, that, you know, that tension between what they believe and what, This is how Pete Rollins talks about it, right? He says what they believe and what they actually believe. Yeah. Yeah. And, but yeah. they're, they're not, but it's, it's conscious versus unconscious. What you're finding is the younger and younger generations, there's less of a gap between those two things. And they, there's this desire to be an integrated whole person. Where, where you don't have to believe anything because if it's real, you can just experience it.
1: I didn't connect those dots that you're really connecting for us now. So it sounds like there's a certain level of what you're saying is conscious existence where this sacrificial God uh, relationship, giving up things and being blessed in this way um, at following rules type things is helpful. But then you've said right. it only is helpful so far. Introduce porn into that how did how did then how is porn related to this yeah
0: well you know porn you know porn i think is actually at least in the american church is like is kind of the portal through for awakening it's like because that's clickbait right there. (laughs) Porn is the portal for awakening (laughs) yeah
2: well you know the
0: thing is so so carl jung i don't know if you guys aren't familiar with carl jung when he said he said no one no one comes to consciousness without suffering so suffering is what drives people to this, to this next level of consciousness. And mm. so porn addiction becomes a suffering experience because – and it's not because it's – for some people it begins as a moral thing. I just feel guilty. But it, pretty quickly it just becomes this thing where they're getting a taste of that blessing but they're not getting the fullness of it and that existential kind of yearning for that full blessing and that full freedom of, of gr- this thing we call grace starts to just drive you nuts. And yeah. eventually you have to go, you have to step out. You have to go for it. You have to deconstruct. You have to find new life. And I think the, it's fascinating with the, the porn industry because the church continues for some reason after hundreds of years still is clinging to this this absolutely toxic way of understanding our sexuality. The, the the pervasive porn addiction in the Christian church is leading to a mass awakening.
1: Give us some stats on just real quickly, mass awakening, come back to that one, yeah. but give us some quick stats. Cause I've, I was uh, flicking through your book that you wrote and it's very much about this. Uh, a lot of it's about this topic, but give us some stats. You're saying there's a porn problem in the church. I go to church and never hear it spoken about. So I might people some people might be thinking, what are you talking about? Yeah.
0: Right. Well, okay, so um, again, this, I'm going to be citing American statistics, yeah, okay? Fine. So there's there was there was a, yeah. there was a, there was a study, study done I mean it's pretty much where anywhere there's white people, but if there was uh, last year and not this was a year before, it's a couple of years ago, um um there was uh, a pretty big pretty big group here that that did a study, pretty large study on 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 pornography in the Christian church and and, and it was something like 91% Ooh, of wow. men in the in the Christian church regularly uh, reported regular use or addiction to porn. Yeah. 50% of the pastors, about 40% of the women.
1: Wow. Um,
0: it was, I mean, it was, it was much more than a crisis. It's It's like, it's the crisis and it's, and much, the stats were much higher than they are in actual outside of the Christian church.
2: Wow. So
0: there's, there is a, there's still a massively toxic relationship with sexuality in the church. And I, I, I I've seen that, I mean, anytime I talk to pastors, I'm like, "Well, what are you guys doing about this?" And and they almost don't know what's going on. Still, after all these years, there's still this like, hey, "I think there's a men's group or something like that," because there is a. I think there is a recognition that if people, if we start to talk about it and actually try to engage that space, it causes a type of awakening that leads to a deconstruction that leads to people leaving.
2: Right. And they right. start
0: finding a deeper. They start finding a deeper person. A deeper. Relationship with God and a deeper spirituality and something, a deeper Christianity and something that that they don't require the blessing of the kind of the kind of construct anymore.
1: Why would they leave then if
2: they're getting a deeper relationship with God? And why, and why would the right. church organisation be scared of that? Yeah, because like, it sounds like you're sounds saying like a good There's thing. a fear of it. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, I mean, because at the level of consciousness where, where, where the God construct is, is still needs to sacrifice at that level of consciousness, survival is everything. And ultimately money is the actual symbol, right? Money is the actual place where we survive. That's why, you know, right now with all, with massive, massive, massive unemployment, you're finding out where, what people actually believe the people that are freaked out the most. A lot of them are Christians. Like if you go to, you know, every Sunday somebody's doing some online sermon. It's the same three verses. You know, like we have not been given a spirit of fear, but a power and a sound mind. And they're all just going, "We're not scared, right? We're not scared. Yeah. Everybody, we're not scared, right?" Yeah. But they're but they're scared shitless because they're yeah. actually what we're dealing with is is the thing that represents. That's why everybody's freaking out about the economy. Is that is the, the thing that represents the actual power, the actual truth, our actual ability to survive is money, right? And the God kind of represents that. You know, so so there is a uh, there is this when when someone deconstructs that god like when you deconstruct the old white guy in the sky and you start just you start you know like like you said it really well Connor when you said you start to actually believe the scriptures when paul said that there's a peace that passes understanding and it will guard your heart and mind right when there's a that that you we can literally live without fear without anxiety that that, that you know consider the birds of the air that the heavenly father provides for us so much more than them when that actually becomes the truth then church is no longer necessary the priest is no longer necessary all of that becomes this completely dissolved thing and what we have is what what I would define as freedom and it's not that there's not a community that we can we engage in that space but, we, but it certainly doesn't look like it's current like like this structure that we've built this business that we've built called organized religion
1: it sounds like pornography is the pain. That will, if you like, you can't but not sit with it. If it's if you're sure. using porn, you're saying it's this pain that ultimately leads us to search for a solution, and that solution is will it will push us to a different way of existing or consciousness is the word you're using that then right. we will uh, quote unquote wake up and realize that this idea of God that we have which you said, the yeah. old white man the sky that hands out yeah. blessings and curses that needs our sacrifice. We, through the mechanism of the pain and porn and trying to deal with that, we wake up and go, oh, hang on. This God that I think is God isn't, isn't helping me and isn't working yeah. and this church is right. attached to that God and these priests are the priests of that God. Yeah. So I don't yeah. really need it. Is that a fair assessment?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. When you come to that and the, and the, and the porn, porn, the porn, the porn star priestess in a sense is, is kind of the, almost like it represents that sacred feminine component of that, where you have, they're both playing that role but because the, 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 the priest over here is doing a pretty terrible job at blessing my sexuality, I need her to bless that. I need him to give me the blessing of the God that makes sure that I'm okay, that I can survive, that I'm not going to go to hell, that I'm not, that I'm not a horrible, sinful, you know, nasty person. When we start to come to actual understanding that we are made of God, you know, I mean, of course, I don't know how we missed it. Those of us that read the scriptures, I don't know how we missed it. We were taught something pretty terrible, even though it's staring us in the face, this unbelievable truth about our very nature is staring us in the face there when we come to an actual embodied understanding of that not just in our mind but we actually our suffering leads us to that then what we end up with is i don't need this anymore and we walk away and we discover that you know I, i love how pete talks about pete talks about how we start to realize that god is not in this building god is in the midst it's in us it's it's among the poor it's among our loved ones, it's among, it's in the, it's in the mountains. You know, I spend a lot of time, I live in a place where there's mountains and water everywhere. And I spend a lot of time in there and I'm in that presence all the time because it's, you know, Jesus said the kingdom of God is within you. Right. And that we can actually experience it.
1: You're using very religious language Mm. and you're not you're not stepping away from Christian language or Christian metaphors. Mm. People may be listening and, and I hope so, because this is, I guess, challenging if you have a different worldview and this is this is the point. Yeah. Um it for for someone else it could be sounding very heretical because you're 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 dismantling the current structure and idea of God that people might hold sure. and the current structure of church. But it doesn't sound to me like you're throwing it away. It sounds like you're saying, no, no, I'm seeking what I was promised within this building. You told me I could have peace that surpassed understanding. You told me I could. uh, And and, and it's interesting that we, in this traditional Christian worldview, that it sounds like you've come from and moved into something else. Humans are are bad. Humans are innately sinful and especially our sexuality. But it's interesting that porn use is so high in the church and it's almost like humans, part of the unconscious human is saying, bless this, like pushing for the blessing of sexuality, even though like cognitively they're saying, no, no, suppress it, suppress it. This is how we deal with it. Porn use is so high. It's like yeah. the human condition is saying this must be blessed and they're going to porn yeah. to feel that acceptance that ultimately hmm. – right. yeah, I'm not yeah. sure if that makes sense. Yeah, well, and
0: that's the thing. Again, you're dealing with – you've got the masculine God and then we need that feminine blessing over here. So the, the porn star steps in as the priestess to bless that component of our – I mean our deepest urges, right? Our, I mean that was the biggest thing for me when I was a porn addict. I was a Christian porn addict. I kept looking at it going – man, there's all this kind of curse that's kind of relayed from the God towards my sexuality. But my sexuality doesn't seem like it's going away anytime soon. Like, I'm pretty Mm -hmm. sure this is here to stay. Yeah, you You stuck with it. (laughs) Yeah, I don't think it's going away. And it just seems like it's going to get pretty exhausting pretty fast to continue to have to suppress or judge or label this deep drive that I have, this really powerful intense kind of thing that exists in my core. Yeah. And, and I just, I, and, and I, and similar to what you're saying, Conrad, I had this, I, I think I believed some of the Bible stories as a kid, even though there was this really toxic thing being told at me about, about hell and sin. And the, but there was also this, this, these stories about miracles and beauty and love and transformation. And I was just kind of going, it's gotta be real. Some of it, if it's, it's gotta be real. Yeah. And I heard this one guy, this one Indian teacher at one point say, if it's real, you don't have to believe in it. If it's real, you mm. can experience it. And I went, that's got to be it right there. And so I started, I started pursuing Christianity not as a belief system, but as a process. You know, um, mm. and and I, I have this evangelical kid. I do one-on-one therapeutic work with people, and I have this evangelical kid I was working with, and I asked him, I said, you a Christian? Because at one point he was, we were going through kind of his depression, and he said, yeah. I no, you're not. I said, "Don't ever tell anybody ever again that you're a Christian because you're not yet." And he was just like, "Well, well, I believe." And I go, "You don't believe anything. Hey, let's just talk about what you experience." I said, "You are becoming a Christian. It is our goal to become mm-hmm. like Christ. Mm-hmm. To die every day is to go into this pain, into this ego, into this struggle, into these deep questions, into this, into this unknown. It's a, Christianity is a process." of death and burial and resurrection it's it's a beautiful narrative it's not a religious narrative it's the narrative of being human Interesting. you know it's 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 a leaf that falls from a tree that dies and goes into the soil and grows new things that's christianity and and i believe that i believe that both on an existential kind of a conceptual level but also that it has to be embodied with the confrontation of our own trauma and us moving into those spaces so i was i was telling you over the email how. I mean, one of the last times I saw Pete Rollins, like, you know, Pete and I would have these kind of interesting debates because he's doing psychotherapy and he's doing existential philosophy. And I'm just – I would just come in with just straight metaphysical, yeah, but here's a miracle that happened. What do you say? He's like, I don't know. What are you going to say to that? (laughs) Because because when, you know, know, that whole once I was blind and now I see kind of component of this, I I believe that all freedom is available. All truth is available that we can move. I mean I went from – Suicide ideation, depression, anxiety, massive addiction—like you name it—I went through from that to living in just a, a life where of just peace, love, joy, happiness, and freedom. Well, let's yeah. talk
1: about that. Let's yeah, yeah. let's follow. So you've obviously got this idea, and I want to get dualistic later. Is porn good, bad? Why do people use porn? Put a pin there, and we'll come back to, we'll that. Come to that. But yeah. I want to talk yeah. about. Your journey, which sounds like came from pretty mainline Protestant Christian.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Pentecostal, like we were was hardcore Pentecostal.
1: So what was yeah. let's follow your journey and if you can identify that gateway drug idea that led you to where you are now.
2: Yeah.
0: Yeah. Oh man. Um well suffer, suffering was the was the gateway, right? I mean it was right. one of those things where when when you've got and everybody's rock bottom's a little different. You know, but when you get to a point, like I had a kid, I had a guy come to me. I think he might actually be on here. I saw his name across the screen. Kid named Garrett, and he was a uh, he's a youth pastor, Southern California. You know, blonde, blue eyed. You know, top, top, Captain America type. You know, sounds handsome. Yeah, yeah. Oh, he's yeah, he's incredibly, incredibly. Uh, he's just an incredible guy. But he he came to me, and he was just just that kind of mild classic kind of white guy, Christian porn addiction. And he's just like, I, I just, I can't do this anymore. I can't live this way. He kind of hit rock bottom at like age 19 or something. And I'm going, why that's it? Like, that's what it took. For, you know, <laughs> you know, to, to, and I was just blown away by it because I was 33 and suicidal wow. and yeah. hopeless in every component of my life. I mean, and just everything about my life, no purpose, no. So lead us to lead us
1: to that point.
0: I had trem- my my parents were missionaries when when I was a kid. So and, very religious uh, family father, you came from. Very religious. Yeah, my parents were Pentecostal missionaries and we went we were in East Africa. And my father was a pilot and he was a good man. He was trying to do good things, you know, we'd go there to save the lost and he he was killed over there. Wow. And uh he was killed in, in on, and shot. his plane got shot down and he was flying oh. in a war zone and and he uh and and you know, I suppressed that grief. And then I suppressed the grief of having to suppress my own grief and then I suppressed the grief of all my emotions. And I you know, one by the time I hit my mid twenties, you know, and here I am just a very evangelical kid trying to do the right thing, I couldn't feel anything. Yeah. You know, and which is of course is a great time to get married if you're a Christian. So I got <laughs> married and, <laughs> Well you gotta you know? for,
1: for a very important <laughs> <Yeah>. reason, Sam. <Seth. laughs> if you're a Christian. Right. right.
0: Right. You gotta do it. And so I got married and right away that the the appeal of pornography started coming through, but as this medicinal, it was a very medicinal experience for all that that pain.
1: That's interesting. Not as you're a teenager developing hormones and things. It's normally when people, you know, skip across porn and go, "Wow, boobs, what are they?" and and Mm. then get kind of infatuated with it that way. But. You're saying when you, after you were married and you were 20, so yeah. you didn't have any prior uh, exposure to it or experience with.
0: I, I didn't at all. Actually, when I was 20. You know, except for you know finding a magazine in the woods when I was little or something. But like I was. That's how
1: you got porn back in the day. You got a scary.
0: Well, and, but but what's funny is I actually fell into that little generational gap. Where I'm I'm 44. So like when I was in high school, the internet was kind of a new thing, uh-huh. and we really didn't. Nobody had access to. It. I didn't have access to the internet until I was. About 27, 20. I mean, my first time having internet in my in my house was when my first married my apartment after we got married. Wow. And right. so that that was and it was still kind of this like really slow, you hit a button, you're like, come on. You know? But I but it it was a um but I also had suppressed so much of my desire, so much of my I mean I'd suppressed so much. I was so repressed that. I I mean, I, and I was never taught, I had no sex education. because I went to a Christian high school and I also, uh, my my father died when I was very, very young. So I didn't have, no one ever taught me. I didn't even know what the word masturbation meant when I was like 19. I still remember hearing some guys in a locker room making jokes about it and I didn't know what it meant. And I just kind of laughed. Well,
1: that's the bread and butter of teenager jokes. I'm a high school teacher. That's all they are. (laughs) (laughs) Masturbation.
0: (laughs) Exactly. And so I, anyway, I had that kind of experience, but I, but, you know all that came calling you know right 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 27 28 and I had that guilt and then it was about seven years of that real intense guilt and frustration and trying all the Christian answers to it and my I have an identical twin brother that was going through essentially the same thing you know and not ironically and he at the same time he was living up yeah yeah but he was living mm-hmm. up in Alaska and he was uh, he's way up in the, in the great white north and he and he got his, he, what happened to him is he admitted that he wanted to kill himself to his wife. And his wife basically called her brother who knew about this place called the White Raven Center, which is this. It's a, it's a healing center, but it's very based in it's, – it's psychotherapeutic kind of work, but it's energy-based. So it's about – the idea is trauma is in your body. That's what's running, running the show. If you can remove the trauma, that energetic experience from your body, then you will realign and be much more yourself. And this is the idea of if at the core you are God or you're the image of God – Then if we remove all the junk, you know, it's kind of like Paul says, it's not me that sins, but sin that is in me, you know, the idea that this stuff's in me, if I can pull that out, then I, then I'm going to be, I'm going to be okay. So it's this kind of, I don't know if you guys are familiar with Meister Eckhart, the old Christian mystic, you know, he said Mm. that, you know, the kingdom of God is not found in the human soul by addition, by process of addition, but by subtraction. So I started, my brother was going to this place and getting this really profound healing. So I was like, I'm going. So I started doing that same work. Started pulling this energy out of my body, which at times just looked like puking and screaming and coughing, but I started having these really big energetic experiences that were creating huge shifts. It took me less than a month, and I wasn't an addict anymore. Wow! And yeah. addiction was gone. And and the thing is, my w- the final straw was my wife did a massive exorcism on me, like a massive, my hour long, eyes rolled back in the head, body freaking out. Knock me out cold for a while, and then this entity or demon or whatever you want to call it just came out of my body, and my addiction was gone. Right. Yeah. That was that. What now? This is the kind of thing where you know, if you're sitting with Pete Rollins, you go, "But Pete, what, what was you know, that? I, it's the best. <laughs> it's the best thing in the world. Because what are you going to say to that? You know, yeah. it ha- you know, I'm not i I'm not. A, I, I would tell people about it, and and I'm not a liar. I've never, yeah, that's something yeah. I've never been. So I, so. You know, I mean, I've had people go, ah, that can't happen. And, you, and Christians say that can't happen. I'm like, okay, sure. Like, <laughs> like I guess. You're you're really
1: between two worlds there. Like the Peter Rollins, yeah. Yeah. there's not really that uh, physical demonic realm. And then you're, right. you're in this other realm. Maybe people would accuse you of being a new age because you're talking about energies and stuff. Yeah. Sure. Uh, before I sure. dig into that exact experience you're talking about, what, what made you start? using porn like yeah. why
2: did you begin because like, you were married so what yeah. was the what, what like what was your yeah. what was how was it affecting your relationships all those well christians things. Christians, yeah. and...
1: christians might say like you like maybe trivialize it and say you're using porn because your marriage isn't good enough or yeah. um sex right, isn't right. good enough or you've got too much lust or something yeah. talk about how you experienced that yeah
0: yeah it was a, it was much more unconscious than that and i think i think most people, you know, if they're talking about why they use porn, I think most people would probably understand that it's an unconscious thing at some level. There's an so unconscious drive. Some people would, some people would just say, "Well, I just love porn. Porn's awesome."
1: So if I asked, they'd be like, "Why do you use porn?" They'd go, Meh.
0: Yeah, yeah. Most people would go, "I don't know. It's, it's awesome. It's good. or Whatever." But the thing is, the, you know, the truth is, like, why would I do that versus sex with my wife, or you know, what's Which one would I prefer? Well, it was just it, they serve different purposes, and it was simply. Oh it was i don't really know when i think back to it how i started was very very subtle just very subtle just you know just masturbating and i saw you know you see a picture or something like that and you started to realize you unconsciously your ego starts to kind of go hey you know this internet thing is kind of helpful with this you know and you start you know just dialing up something once in a while and then at first you start your reasoning well you know i don't there's you know you first you start with victoria's secret in the mail or something <laughs> like that you know my wife would get victoria's secret you know and i would you know secretly look at that once in a while and it just started subtly in that way and then the guilt and then the shame and then the cycle starts but it's like any other addiction it's just a medicinal process of kind of rinse and repeat type of process to help help medicate this pain that you feel in your body like it's real trauma
2: so were your wife aware of that
0: not not at first yeah yeah. not at first it took me it took me a couple of years you know I remember at the time I'm still an evangelical and I'm still wrestling with guilt and shame and I'm going to church and crying and having being prayed for and this kind of thing and and i I finally confessed to her at some level kind of let the I bled the truth to her kind of slowly um and then over time my wife actually was quite gracious about it she, she I think she kind of had a, she had a certain space where she's going ah, I I can see that you're trying not to just keep trying kind of thing. And then she kind of just kept herself back from it and just kind of let me wrestle with it. Um, But it was, but it was pretty, it was pretty fascinating because over time, I mean, once I hit that, once I hit that spot, I mean, I literally had just started to just do this basic meditation where I was learning how to feel my body, just feel what's going on inside my body. And I could feel that there was something in there and it felt like a big sack of, rice or something like that sitting in my in the middle of my body and i've been doing this meditation that they've been telling me to do just basically sit and feel and i told my wife about it and i said i think there's something in me she goes what do you mean i'm like i don't know and and she's like what are you gonna do and i said i was kind of hoping you could just like pray for me or something and we could just try to get it out and she goes "I, i don't know how to do that (laughs) <laughs> well let's just give it a shot what do we got to, what do we got to lose yeah. and i literally lay down on the bed i lay down on the bed she put her hand on my chest and she just went you know this kind of clunky evangelical like she's like god we just think there's something in seth and we don't know what it is but we're hoping you can help us with this and all of a sudden poosh, this thing just erupts into my body and i go into this hyperventilation and i'm like oh my god and my wife's like freaking out she's like what well, what are you doing? What, what, what is, it, what is it happening? And I'm like, I'm like, I don't know. I don't know. Just keep praying. And I'm like, I kind of bowed up. I'm like, ah, And this pain in my chest was searing. And she starts kind of calling down the fire because we were, you know, I was Pentecostal. And she's just like, in the name of Jesus. She's doing <laughs> yeah. this thing. And, we, you know, we didn't know what the hell we were doing. So like, and and then, uh, then this thing knocked me out cold. And I didn't know that. She told me that later. I was like, because for me, it was a pretty short experience. But she said I was out cold for about an hour. And she said, my eyes were like rolled back in my head and my my whole body was like locked in a tense kind of thing. And then, uh, and then it it was pretty fascinating because when it came to my, I I felt it settle down and she was like, thank you, God, it's over, it's over. But I could still feel the same feeling in my body. And I just told her, I go, it's still there. Just keep, keep going. And she goes, she goes right back at it. And then my body went ice cold and she got all sweaty and she's just like, She's screaming at this thing like it's like a she's trying to chase a cat off the porch or something like that, and she's you know, and it was wild. But then I felt this thing pull, start to pull out of my body, almost like somebody had reached into my rib cage and started pulling at my organs. And it was like it started to pull, and then it just went pop and just popped right out of my body. And then my whole body just went warm. And the next day, I it literally I woke up, and my vision was blurry, like it, like it was an energetic something had happened that was resetting my entire my entire system. Yeah. And the addiction was gone. gone. It was gone completely. Wow. And didn't have any problems out it And it's not that I've never looked at porn again. I just never done it unconsciously ever again. Like, there's been times where I'm like, uh, eh, you know, there's no shame, there's no guilt, there's no nothing like that. Mm. And there's no, and there's no like super compulsive drive towards it. There's just a, well, I can just see it for what it is now. I kind of know what it is. I can see what porn is. I, I get it. It's this thing that exists because there's a major demand for it. And, and if there wasn't a demand, it wouldn't exist. It's like any other economic product.
2: You have a lot more of a understanding of, of what is happening and you're not sort of just on autopilot. Right.
1: You, you mentioned it before. You said th- porn and, and sex
2: with your wife yeah. with
1: your wife are, yeah. have two different purposes, what are the yeah. What are the different like? What is the purpose of porn then? So you're you saying you're talking about medicating pain? Is that why everybody looks at porn? Yeah. You think to medicate the um, pain of sorts?
0: I think at some level, yeah. I think I think it's deeply unconscious, and I'm sure your audience would be like, "I not know why I do it," you know. But <laughs> proof, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You know, most of what we do serves serves our unconscious at some level. About seventy percent of what we do every day is actually coming from our unconscious, and and. I mean, I, I can think back now and see it very clearly that that sex with my wife was playing the role of a, much more of a mother. You know, it was the blessing of my of the mother and my mom and giving me the. You know, I would very much come to her almost like a baby seeking a boob. You know, and <laughs> porn was playing a much role the, uh, the role of the blessing on my sexual desires as like a priest. Yeah. Right. And.
1: Which is the acceptance and and saying you're okay. Yeah, yeah,
0: yeah. And both of them were playing a role of of, of of deeply medicating. This thing inside me, this rejection I'd received from my mom my entire life and this rejection I'd received from God my entire life and just this massive feeling of separation from love that I was carrying inside my unconscious. And I think most people carry that at least at some level, but I think I carried it on a pretty, pretty intense one. Yeah. Like
1: medicine so. as in, I mean like a strong painkiller. Like I'm feeling a lot yeah. of pain, let me take this yeah. this medicine. So when you're using it as as medicine to, to get it, dualistic about it you're saying that porn isn't good but it serves something that temporarily helps us feel
2: good it addresses the right. symptom like as roll yeah. would talk about it, it like i break the my arm off, i yeah. broke
1: my collarbone and i'm like give me that codeine <laughs> fort and i'm like i'm fine but my collarbone is still broken <sighs> is yeah. that the ter- the right. sense of right. medication you're talking about
0: yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And, and then there is that narrative component to it. It's a story about acceptance and it, and it plays a certain role, but the dopamine and all that and all that comes along with it, that it just, it does medicate that trauma. And uh, I mean, it has a way of, but it, you know, it cycles back around really quick, of course, you know, I mean, it doesn't take long for your average addict, it's going to come back real quick. Um, but, you know, I mean, if anybody, it, it, all of us carry parts of us, unmet needs from our childhood. And it's not that those things can't be healed. They can. They most certainly can be healed. If something can be broken. It can be healed. You know, just like your bone will eventually is going to be healed. Your soul that has been fractured can also be healed. And that's that's the healing work I do with people with my own clients now. That's the work I did on myself. But, but uh, you know, we can come to the point where those unmet needs are met, you know, and that's and then we don't need that stuff anymore, you
1: know, he- healing, healing in the sense of because this is yeah, this is really fascinating for me. I was personally my assumptions is I was assuming that you were going to sit in the Rollins line of, of less metaphysic uh, spirit manifestation type thing. So when you talk about but 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 you're talking about healing in more of, uh, you know, cl- more closely aligned with the Pentecostal praying for spirits. Like, is that what you talk about healing as in like the power of Jesus, so to speak? As, as then has removed something, has removed like yeah. a, a physical demon type thing.
0: Yeah, I wouldn't, I wouldn't chalk it up to the power of Jesus. I mean, we, you know, we could get it, we, can, we could do a whole thing on what the Christ is and what those energies are, but I think I, we I might think, have to. Yeah. There's a lot here. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah, we can get into the Richard Rohr's The Cosmic Christ and this idea of the Christ as an energetic as an energetic element. But I, I believe very much, okay, I've become a bit of a student of quantum physics in my attempts to understand this. Yeah. And, and what I have come to understand is that a human being, I believe in a human being that 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 we have this material body, we have thoughts, feelings, emotions, I think we have an ego that is essentially a very rudimentary operating system, I think we have a spirit, it's an actual energetic field. When, when people talk about the magnetic fields that your body generates and the field that's surrounding your body, which is, you know, we know this, you have a field that surrounds your body. You have about seven really big magnetic fields within your body generated by 3,000 very small fields. I mean, that's just how we know this. Like, And I th- believe that that is actual spirit. I think that's what your spirit actually is. I think it's an actual tool. You could completely remove your understanding of it from the religious world. And what you have is an operating system that is capable of reorganizing and, and reconstituting a fractured part of your core consciousness, which in wisdom traditions, that's what we call the soul. So when you hear someone talk about the soul, you know, of course, we have to ask the question are these things real or are they these kind of fluffy make believe things that we just talk about because we need to say something religious? I believe the soul is a real thing. I think it's a core consciousness that inhabits an experience, you know, inhabits a human experience. I think it can be fractured. When we talk about PTSD, you're talking about the fracturing of the human soul, parts of us getting stuck in space time right? You have to get outside of your thinking of linear space and time if we're going to understand how this works on a quantum level. Um, And so when I give talks and I talk a lot about the physics of trauma, you know, when I help, when I work with my clients, we work on actually finding these soul parts that get fractured and reintegrating them into the body. I have like, I've worked with high level athletes who can't manifest their potential because they have fractured young parts of them that are, you know, actually, one of them just texted me. <laughs> right, they fractured, fractured parts of them that are scattered across the space-time continuum that are still trying to get their needs met. These child needs met in their adult life, and if you can reintegrate those pieces back into the whole, those those, those needs stop expressing themselves. And now I can actually live my life as a whole adult human being. If that makes any sense, I know it's a very big pandora's box there, <laughs> no that is i mean it it's is, cool because it's, it's big. Super, but it's super
1: interesting yeah um, uh, we've spoken and we'd love to get you back for a part two so yeah. if, if you're listening to the podcast now sending questions you'd like us to put to seth because yeah. everything is really connected we're yeah. talking about this porn thing but his worldview is very i mean i i'm very interested in unpacking this like quantum when you say trauma in the space-time continuum yeah. but i'm just gonna Pause it there and hopefully get you back and talk about that stuff. It, what's interesting to me is that you're using very new age people, you know, evangelicals would call it this new age language. Like I think the yeah. assumption new age liberal yeah. <laughs> from California is, is what many people would be hearing. And I want to dig into that later and unpack it. But at the same time, you're saying some level of literal biblical exorcism occurred in you with that technology that that transformed you
0: yeah (laughs) um you know it's funny i actually i went to i went to the guy that i was working with up in alaska is a this old guy he's he's a he would hate if i called him a shaman but he essentially he was a he's a native native alaskan guy he's not a christian but i and i asked him i said why why did that why was that kind of a hardcore Pentecostal Christian experience? And he said, well, he goes, cause you're identified with that framework, that belief system. So, you know, clearly it came through that, but, but I said, well, why that had never worked in my life before. And he said, well, for the first time he goes, this new switch to this internal paradigm where I could see that it's in me and that, that I'm doing this work. He said, you were empowered for the first time. It wasn't the power of Jesus. It was yours. It was your power. You, you actually looked inward. You did that work. And And that's, and that, that of course led me to seminary, you know, like that conversation alone, after that experience, I literally was in seminary within six months because I was, my Christian belief system started disintegrating and I just started going, what, what is this? There has to be something true about this story that I was raised with, but I need to find out. Because it worked. Yeah, because it worked. And because. it it radically shifted my reading of scripture i started looking at everything that was happening in there as a very human experience not some mythological god god experience much more of a there as an idea of consciousness jesus was functioning at a level of consciousness he could see something we couldn't see he could hear something we couldn't hear he could feel something we couldn't feel and and then i started realizing that there have been people for hundreds and thousands of years talking about that same experience and started going, there's a, something available to us as humans that w- most mm-hmm. of us are afraid to tap into wow. and are afraid to go there. But people have been teaching, people other than Jesus have been teaching this for many, many, many years. Wow. So was the
2: guy yeah. sort of saying that, um, just so that I understand, like this shaman guy in, in Alaska, was he sort of saying that you had the particular experience you had because that was sort of like the language and the structure that you identified with and so that was the only way you could experience that
0: yeah he was saying that's why it looked that's why it looked the way it,
1: it yeah. looked yeah. christian yeah. because you're identified with that
0: and, and, i've dealt with many many entities inside my body since then i've freed myself on multiple levels i deal with in my clients i encounter minimum entities a week i, I deal with demonic demonic. which demoni-
1: which in christian language you would yeah. say yeah, yeah and, and
0: most of my clients are christian yeah. understand like i'm dealing with just, you're. At, I got a millionaire business guy that just, you know, we, we, we're doing some deep healing work and we encounter an entity inside of him. You know, I, I had a professional soccer player that I was dealing with just the other day and it was the same kind of thing. And we, and it's, I've actually come to understand that it's quite common. It's actually a very common part of the human experience to have these entities in us. They're not our enemies. The entire misnomer of spiritual warfare is just silly in my mind, now because it's a part of human trauma. It's how trauma functions. Trauma has the capacity for taking on a form of consciousness it actually in a sense that it has a an ability to help us survive through that and and most people i mean and if we look at a step back to the human and look at the human race and the, the compulsive and the addiction and the the, the constant i mean the, the you know the old pauline question why do we do the things we know we don't want to do you know which is pretty much sums up the human condition like it's because there's something actually oftentimes when we're trying to push open that door of freedom there's something on the other side pushing back And and that's why it's a pretty common part of our my experience. And I have I had a kid come to me, he's a soccer player, he had no religious perspective whatever, never been raised with any religion at all. In our very first session, he removed an entity from his body. And he's just like and he started experiencing really serious freedom. And he's just like, What was that? And I go, Well, you know, that's a... you know this this, so is, what, yeah. this is so
1: fascinating because if he, I'm just I'm just Sitting on the, both of these sides, and I'm listening. I'm a conservative, and I'm being like this new age guy talking about entities and energies. And then I'm sitting on like the other materialist side and be like, this guy's just the same evangelical right. guy casting yeah. out yeah. demons. Like it's this interesting thing where like you've been driven into your Christianity, and that's what drove you to Jesus. Yeah, that's what drove you into yeah. the faith that you left. I'm just yeah. fascinated by. I that. want
2: to. I want to ask a question that adds an, a third. Like you've talked about two, but I want to talk. I want to ask you. Like so, when like and, and not me because I'm not. I'm not a neuroscientist or sure. anything like that. When you've got like behavioural scientists and neuroscientists and all those sorts of guys and girls saying, um, you know, like the ego sure. is just a construct. Sure. Like this is the sort of language that you're using. Like, flesh out how you understand terms some of the terms you've used like ego um entities all those sorts of things because it could be argued like i know some things like uh, where does the ego exist for example so like there's no place to put the ego so um in in terms of like a physical like in the brain or the mind or whatever so there's some things out there that are just it adds i know it adds a layer of complexity but just maybe talk to us about some of those ideas.
0: Well, my can. understanding of the ego and mind is very similar. You guys have probably heard of Eckhart Tolle, right? The power of now. Yep. It's very similar to the way he describes it when we just talk about it as the thinking brain. So it's, it's you know, reptilian brain, right. kind of frontal lobe, survival instinct level stuff, the caveman kind of part of us. The ego is a, is a story generator. It's the thinking mind and the store. Most people live pretty profoundly through the thinking mind, right? We, we, have, we mm. live through a story, not through you know, we, we could say not truth. You know, Jesus said, you'll know the truth and the truth will set you free, right? And so being that most of us don't live in what we could call freedom, we actually live in a type of story. It's not truth, it's a story. So, uh, you know, uh, judgment or frustration or, you know, any type of thing. Like I have one of my clients, his 16-year-old kid, he's an evangelical kid. He texted me today and he's like, the United States Development Academy just dissolved. And he's like, I'm really upset about this. I'm like, why? And he goes, I have a story in my mind. And he's starting to realize it's just a story. I have a story in my brain that means that this is, I'm not going to get the same opportunities. I'm like, right. That's just a story. And the the, the brain, you know, I, you know, I, I saw a baby blue, a guy drive by me the other day in a baby blue McLaren. You know what I mean? Like, you know, in this $300,000 sports car.
1: Poor College choice was such a
0: sweet yeah. car. <laughs> and my, my six-year-old was like, dad, that's a fast car. And I go, you know, son, <laughs> that's a story. You know, that's that, what that is. That's a story. <laughs> you know, any, because we're, most of what we do is telling ourselves stories about the future, about the past, about what is, about what isn't, about what's true, about what's not, about what's right, what's wrong. That's what the ego's job is. And it keeps us, from, it keeps us in a survival state and allows us to stay in the thinking mind so we don't have to feel what we're carrying in our bodies. So when I talk about the spirit, I'm talking wow. about coming out of the thinking mind, bringing our attention into what our bodies are experiencing, and, and then beginning to kind of cleanse that system so that we can actually live through our, 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 actual true self, you know? And yeah, that's a, there's just some new age concepts here. They were new age. Now it's just psychotherapy and it's the same stuff Pete Rollins would talk about. He would just talk about it more and you know, he lives, he lives more in some of the stories of it, right. The constructs that we have in honor and the idea is there's a lot, most therapeutic theories help us. They actually exist in the thinking mind and we just come to deep brain understanding of why we're so screwed up. I actually want to come to the point where my therapeutic theories that I work with people and I've done with myself is more about, I want to feel at peace. (laughs) I'm seeking, I'm, I want to, that was the whole thing with the porn thing. In the beginning, I was going, I I remember, you know, my brother going through about a six month sobriety period. And he was like, I don't feel different. I, I thought I'd feel different. I want to feel different. I want to. It seems like freedom, we should feel it, you know?
2: Yeah, yeah. That's a good – that's sort of where we want to move next. Like we want, to, we want to ask you like how did you used to think and how do you think now? Like going back to porn, like what what were your thoughts around yeah. porn? Um, how did you use it? Um, and then like what are your thoughts on it now? Like how's what's the shift like? How yeah. it changed?
0: Well, my understanding of porn now is, you know, higher, when you come to a kind of higher consciousness, like I've come to a higher level of consciousness, you just start to see everything kind of for what it is and i can see porn for what it is i can understand what it is now i can look at it and go oh well you know it's beautiful naked bodies having doing sex so that it's it clearly has a, has some value for those that need it you know and i and i i don't judge it at all it's not a good thing or a bad thing
1: so so you don't yeah. judge it as good or bad i was i was gonna ask you that let's get yeah, dualistic just, you know the the conservative christian listening would be like is this guy saying porn yeah. is good and if you're not saying porn no. is bad then to them because they're living you know because
0: yeah. they're looking at it from a moral concept I'm, I'm looking at it from a deeper perspective in the sense that no matter how much you call it bad that all that does is lead to war like you lead to a thing well that's bad that's bad that's bad now i fight a war with these things which of course leads to deeper suppression of my sexuality which leads to this cycle of shame and guilt which is completely worthless
1: Which is what you're saying, the Christian world, that's how it currently deals with it. It currently deals with it as a war, as a moral problem that says suppress it. And ultimately you're saying that does not work because 90% of you have a problem with it. 50% of pastors have a problem with it. So that way of looking at it as a moral war isn't working. And now you're looking at it as what?
0: I look at it now as uh, what's a product. Like any other product, right? Uh, it's a product that needs, like Coca Cola is a product. Porn is a product. <laughs> McDonald's is a product. It all serves a certain purpose. I could ask myself, is Coca Cola good for me? Of course not. Does it taste good? Yeah. You know, does it have any nutritional value? Is uh, it
1: immoral to drink? It? <laughs> is it
0: is it immoral to drink? And that's the problem, is because we still view sexuality in the Christian church, they still view sexuality through a moral lens. As opposed to a lens, whether it's beneficial or not, which of course, you know, that's the idea, right? Is, is it beneficial? Well, th- then we can have a debate for sure. We can talk about whether porn is beneficial. I think for the most part, it's not. It, it, it's, it's beneficial like Tylenol is beneficial at times, but it's not, it's not, it's certainly not going to lead to any deep transformative experience. And it's definitely not going to improve my life.
1: Can you give an example? I can just hear people asking this question. Can you give an example? Because you're saying in the most part, it's not beneficial. Can you think of an example where it is beneficial? I mean, as an industry, there's a lot of solid arguments to say, you know, it demeans women, it sets unrealistic expectations and, th- and things like that. So it's very easy to demonize yeah. in that sense. Can you think of a scenario where it is beneficial?
0: It's a painkiller. Yeah, as a painkiller, Can it can definitely be beneficial. I mean, it's similar to... You know, I got this player that I was working with, and he took a cortisone shot so he could play in the game that night, and they won. You know, so that was helpful. It helped something. Yeah, did it heal his? Is- what did so, it help?
2: Yeah, it goes back to the Roland's idea. Well, I don't know if it's necessarily his exclusively, but of the symptom, like you, right. it's it's masking a symptom or it's sure. assisting yeah. in a symptom, but it's not actually yeah. fixing the underlying yeah. problem. And it,
1: and it does require us to step outside the moral paradigm. Like even now I'm, I'm bringing back in the moral paradigm saying, no, tell me when it's beneficial right. yeah. and implicit in that I realize is morally, right. yeah. but then you instantly step outside of that and go, no, no, it's like everything else. Sure. I like Coke horrible company ethically steals water from small African countries and sells sure, it to us. Sure. Lots of things like that. Um, but as a, as a something, it can be beneficial to go, I'm a marathon runner. I just need a quick hit of sugar. That yeah. guy's got to go give it to me. Or I'm if you're in the same
2: African country and the only water you've got to drink <laughs> is, is co- cholera laced <laughs> or whatever. It's energy. So then in yeah. that
1: scenario, it's beneficial. Yeah. I think, yeah, I think I understand. It's,
0: it's, the, same, it's the exact same thing. Yeah. It's the exact same thing. I mean, I watch, I mean, you guys are, I'm sure you guys are rugby fans. I watch football. Like, you know, I mean, it's an, it has an entertainment value, but I, I have to, the amount of things I have to suppress within myself in order to enjoy that. I have to suppress my knowledge that guys' lives are being shortened on that field and, and I have to suppress the, all yeah. the, the, the rotten things the NFL does. And I, I mean, I'm wearing, I'm wearing clothes that were likely produced by a, you know, a child labor, you know? And, and, you know, so what am I going to do? Like, I, you know, There are those that try to, if I can just through my thinking brain, somehow segment my life so that everything I do is ethical, everything I do is good, everything is pure, then maybe I can, maybe I can somehow survive this life. But again, what that does is we're living this egoic, like, can I survive? And what I want to do is move it to a level of consciousness where I can hold the nuances and the difficulties of being human in a balanced and healthy way, in a way that benefits humanity. And then I can solve some of the biggest problems. I can actually be a benefit to this world in solving the problems.
1: So how does this new way of seeing, you're describing a new way of seeing the world in contrast to the older way, which is a survival level. How does this new way, this nuance, this holding the seemingly oppositional side by side, how does it help
0: you? How does it help me? Um, well, what it does is it helps me. It helps me in trying. One, I have no drama in my life because when you stop judging things, drama goes away, right? You don't. You don't have drama because you can just speak the truth about what you think and what you feel. And those that insist on living at a level of consciousness that requires judgment, you don't do relationship with them anymore, because that's just not healthy. So my life has become one where there's and I kid you not, zero drama in my life, which is really beautiful. So I don't have drama, I just have, here's what I think, here's what I feel. And that's, you know, if you don't agree, that's totally fine, you can take it or or leave it. So there's that benefit to it. But also what it does is it allows me to see very clearly the things I can control and the things that I can't and the things that areas where I can have an influence and the areas where I can't have an influence. And so for me, I've looked at – you know, for me and my business partner, we, we decided we wanted to solve the biggest problem in youth sports. Like youth sports is toxic because of all the drama with parents and, and, the, and the money and the, the – I mean there's this – the exploitation of it. There's so much terrible stuff in there and we just said that's a gigantic problem. I think we're equipped to go after it. Let's give it a shot. So for two to three years now, we've been just working on just creating a solution to this huge, huge problem. And and we haven't been able to be paid. And we, have, we haven't. I mean, at times we've been on the brink of homelessness and all this, but there's no fear and there's no drama. Sorry, you just called in. <laughs> there's no fear and there's no drama. And so we can just continue to just put ourselves towards that problem and really try to do some good in the world. And if it takes us 30 years to change it, we're going to do it. And we're going to leave the legacy and try to change a really, 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 really big problem. So, it, And it's because there's clarity. More, the biggest benefit is there's clarity about what you feel, what you think, what you believe and what you want. And then you can apply yourself to that instead of sitting around trying to prop up false narratives about your life or trying to please people that can't be pleased or try to impact things that you have no control over.
1: How do you view them? Yeah. yeah, yeah. The other side, so to speak, the side that you came from.
0: Yeah. Well, how do I view that? I, I view it like I view other things without judgment and with an understanding of, of what it is. Like when you when I look at something, I understand when someone goes to church and they pay their tithe and they do their and they've and they and they worship the construct and they and they do this. I understand why they do it. I can see it clearly. I was there. I do remember I remember being in that quite well, but I also can understand that that when When people carry trauma, that trauma is going to express itself, and we have to survive it somehow. So, if the ego creates, can create, if the ego has the capacity to create a construct, create an attachment, you know, create whatever it needs, whatever structure it needs in order to help you survive. That's you know, that's part of being human, and I can totally understand that.
1: I'm actually, I'm actually, I always, I like this because I always just learn something. I actually am hearing that. From the beginning, now flashback to when we were talking about this. I guess you you use the word more primitive level of consciousness that we all go through, and I was like, "Well, is that good or bad?" And you and you were saying, "Well, it's it's helpful to a point." And you've I've received you using the same language with porn as well. Yeah, you yeah. you've and it and I guess to put it one way, it does sound like this non judgment being like useful for this, mm-hmm. useful in this scenario, yeah. but limits here and not helpful here so yeah. when you say yeah i view it i view the people who see the world like that the same way i view everything i for me it makes sense i don't know if yeah I,
2: yeah well it does and it, it even goes to um kind of the end point of when we were talking to Rollins, yeah where he's talking about if you don't confront this stuff like well
1: let's put that to seth that yeah same yeah,
2: that, yeah so if you what
1: you're talking about yeah Um,
2: Yeah, so Roland's finished up saying you can avoid this, like you can avoid the shadow self, you can avoid like the dark night of the soul, all that sort of stuff. And you will move through life in an okay um, trajectory. Um, But what will happen is that it will cause your relationships um with other people your wife your kids it will express you, itself yeah it'll it'll pop up somewhere else sure. and, and cause heartache and pain there yeah, absolutely. um so what what's your thoughts on that
0: yeah no there's trauma always okay i'm thinking of it. we watched the avengers and you know the other day and we were watching the movies because we're in quarantine, right, we're in quarantine. and I, I still remember one of the characters in dr strange when he said the bill comes due you know he kept saying that and the, and when it comes to trauma trauma is a pervasive thing that is going to make itself known period and if it is not dealt with it will express itself in one form or another and it literally that i mean that's why it says like unless we you know I another thing carl Jung had said about that he said unless we do the work of making what is unconscious conscious it'll dictate your life and you'll call it fate and that will be pervasive until the day you actually turn towards it or it will simply you will maintain your construct. You'll you know you'll double down on that same construct over and over again until it pushes away everyone else in your life. Like my parents' generation have done that pretty significantly. Like my stepdad is a guy who, he's going to die alone, and no one's going to care when that happens because he has doubled down over and over and over on every narrative, every story, every false idea, every. Every construct he's ever built, including a very vengeful and wrathful God. And he is doubled down on to the point where no one can be in relationship with him because of the judgment and because of uh. the anger. And he'll die alone in that, you
1: know. And that's and that's because of unaddressed trauma. And that's
0: because of unaddressed trauma. Period. That is that is straight across the board my belief that everyone that what creates well, the reason we create these these all of these constructs is because of human trauma and that can exist on an individual level it does and it also exists on a collective level that's why you tend to see people form kind of collective tribes that carry some of that same kind of thing like, you know we can't we form these kind of these collective energies and then we can get it this is we could get into quantum physics big time with this about how fields form about collective fields and field theory and how that functions but people tend to gather in these In these forms, you know, where they form these collectives, and then it strengthens our ability to survive. It's very tribal if you if you think about it that way. So
1: you would say, you would say, the the Christian narrative says humans are evil, but it sounds like you're saying no, humans are broken. Yeah,
2: yeah, because that that from that my. And we're probably running a little bit out of time. We'll need to wrap up soonish because I going to keep you forever. Yeah. But my question is, like, so you've sort of focused on on porn in particular. Yeah. But what does it look like for um, gaming or sports or yeah. like name oh, that, anything else? Like, does yeah. this does your thesis go across everything, or is it a very specific thing to porn? No, I,
0: I think porn has a very specific type of narrative and it fits a very specific role right? Just like gaming does. Like you mentioned okay. gaming. Gaming is a, is a narrative also. It has a, with it a whole set of chemicals, right? A whole set of things that the yep. brain is doing, but it's also a narrative of, of power, right? For the most part, video gaming, it provides a very powerful narrative and you'll find that a lot of the kids sitting behind those screens feel very powerless, right? So now, you know, I mean, Fortnite's a great example oh, of this. You get man. a kid, you hand a kid who man. feels powerless in his life because, you know, he's a, you know, because that's kind of life in your in the suburbs of, of, of whatever you know, privileged you know kind of life he has. Now you put a gun in his hand and you make him into a killer, and that's pretty powerful, right? And I've dealt. I actually, wrote, mm-hmm. I wrote a guidebook for parents whose kids are addicted to porn and social media, or not porn, but uh, gaming and social media, because that's really what it is: is trying to understand that your kid feels powerless, and this is a very powerful narrative. You know I, I, I and it's
1: unconscious like you are deeply
0: unconscious yeah I mean and it's, yeah. it's, a, it's wow. a space where they can they can kind of open up to a to a new way of understanding themselves but of course the problem is that these things they they medicate us on an unconscious level I and mean, then if we if we can make those things conscious which is what I do with my clients you know hey let's get this into the conscious world both in our thoughts and in our our energetics kind of system then we can actually work it and we can integrate we can become an integrated system in that way
1: And it sounds like what you're saying is we use these things, porn specifically what we're talking about, but gaming and other quote-unquote problem behaviors. We use them as medication, but you're you're almost saying that's good news because the medication won't work forever. Just like the metaphor of medication, eventually I need more and more pills until my kidneys fail. Eventually I take too many until I OD. Eventually... You're going to hit rock bottom, and you just know you're on the slope to rock bottom when you're
0: medicating heavily
1: right. on right. porn or on something yeah. else, or when your when you're, when, you're when your current
0: medication starts failing. It's like classically they said, "Well, porn is progressive." Well, it's because the medicine starts failing after a while, and you need stronger and stronger doses. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like,
1: and eventually you hit the end. Yeah,
0: eventually you hit the end. You hit that rock bottom, and who knows? I mean, I have a oh. I have a one friend of mine doesn't seem to have a rock bottom. I've never seen anything like it. Like, he just goes, it's, just, it's like, it's one thing. I mean, I showed up at his house not that long ago and he's like, hey, uh, you know I had the alcohol issue, right? And I'm like, uh, yeah. And he goes, yeah, it's cocaine now. And I'm like, oh, OK. I said, so death, are we just doing death? And he goes, maybe. And I'm like, OK. All right, man, well, okay. I'm here for you if you need like, I, you know, It's like he's a friend. I'm not going to you know, try to push myself into his yeah. world. He knows what I do yeah. for a living, so I'm like, well, you know, I'll, I'll help you if I can, man. But if, if it's
2: Yeah, when you, yeah, yeah,
0: it's. I mean, yeah. for him, it's it's clearly it's one of those things where I we don't I don't know what what level of suffering it will take for him to to come to the point where you say I can't do this anymore. But that comes for everybody. Yeah, yeah it comes for everybody eventually. You know.
1: That yeah, you've given us a lot to think about, yeah, a yeah. lot to talk about. We're hoping to have you back, Seth. We'll have to line up another time and yeah, talk about something. Man. If you're listening and you're like, I mean, he's got he's got to have pissed off everybody listening <laughs> on some level. Being <laughs> like, I'm I'm a materialist. This guy's talking about yeah. stuff, and this is uh, I mean, this is good because. Yeah. That will trigger a question yeah. to go, well, that means I don't understand. So There's I guess in,
2: so many opportunities in, to learn. In Seth's yeah.
1: language, this this uh, symptom of feeling annoyed, frustrated, or uncomfortable is telling us that we don't understand something. Yeah. Yeah. And so if you're listening and you feel like you don't understand something, send us a question yeah. and you start the conversation this Friday night. We're gonna do a Friday night live if Seth's bored and the time zones line up, maybe he'll, he, he wants to jump in. Drop if in, not, yeah. are you guys, just hearing from Is
0: it Thursday where you are right now?
2: Saturday. No, Saturday. Saturday. Okay. We're so right, a day. Right. Ahead. Or a day ahead. Okay. Gotcha. Yeah. Yeah. The
1: future's looking bright just so you know. Yeah, <laughs> And,
2: and so, uh, even if a little cloudy, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a
1: bit overcast. <laughs> On Friday night lives, we chat about some of these ideas and try and see where they sit with, the general population, i.e. us. Um, So if you have a question, send them in. You can connect with us on Instagram like many of you are here or via email ideasdigest at gmail.com. A lot of what you've said, Seth, I'm seeing as the comments go, there's a lot of people who really resonate with the metaphors you're using and the stories you're telling and the language you're using. And so thanks for sharing your journey. Thanks for sharing these ideas that are definitely going to challenge probably everybody but that's a good thing
0: yeah thank you guys for giving me a a chance to talk about it man i i I do appreciate it i'm gonna have my book i wrote some about this but there's a new there's a new book coming at some point because of what i've learned in the last five years well
1: talk about your book real quick so if 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 you're curious about seth's worldview or your or you have questions and want to understand it more um or you resonate with what he's saying uh You've got a book, and like you said, you got a book coming out. What's the book you have out now?
0: Um, well, I've got five different books out right now, but the, but the one we've been talking about, yeah, the one we've been talking about is, is called Feels Like Redemption, and that is that is okay. that is kind of my story about coming out of pornography addiction. I wrote it five years ago, so the language of it is much more religious than than probably maybe we've been talking about right now. Because I'm, I'm, you know, it's interesting when you write a book five years ago and then you keep changing. You know, wow. you're kind of a different yeah. person. <laughs> but the books I've been writing recently are more targeted, therapeutic kind of experiences towards towards solving some big problems in the world that I've. I've got. I'm due. I'm due to start another one. You know, to tell to tell the wider story. So that'll that'll be coming at some point in the future. If you just type Seth Taylor into Amazon, you can see. You know, people can see what I'm
1: what, what I'm looking awesome. at. And, what I'm doing. and people for if they want to connect with you on your website, SethAllenTaylor.com is where you're yeah, at. Yeah,
0: SethAllenTaylor.com. Yeah, yeah. And I, and I do life coaching. You I know, mean, I've got. I'm kind of absolutely yeah. So if people ever want to do one-on-one to do this type of therapeutic work. You know, I promise no screaming no no exorcisms or anything like that <laughs> no, no evangelical prayers hey what if that's <laughs> your medicine right
2: yeah Oh, uh, you've been really generous thanks thanks seth we've really enjoyed the conversation so if you're watching now um check out the podcast still and then the instagram live on friday so that we can sort of pull some of these ideas that Te- uh, uh, seth has shared with us and um because yeah. it's not just the podcast it's practice. a practice. Yeah. So thanks All for right. listening, everybody. Yeah. Catch you next time.
0: See ya. Thank you, guys.